offering. Yeah. What's that? For baptism. That'll be six then. And we're still, if you have not been baptized, why are you disobeying the Lord? Offering. One day, when we take offerings in this church, there's going to be people shouting, fighting over the bucket so you can get their money in first. Amen? That's when you know, that's when you know you really know something about God. Amen? You'll be fighting to get it in there. Tithes and offerings are the best deal going. Better than gold. Better than, I don't see my, buddy, my Bitcoin buddy. I like Bitcoin, but it's better than Bitcoin. Believe it or not, and I love Bitcoin. It's better than Bitcoin. God's kingdom is the best investment you'll ever make. Father, bless the offerings in Jesus' name. We give them to you, Lord. Use them as you will. Amen. Amen. Hey, and if you're somebody new and we ever talk about money and you don't get it or you don't understand or some people are suspicious about that, just don't, just don't put anything in the offering. Amen? Amen? We don't want you to. We, we, we're not interested. The only people I want to give in the offerings are people that understand what they're doing. Never trying to talk somebody into giving something. We're not twisting anybody's arm. I know and I have proven God is as good as his word. And it wasn't yours, to, that's how I feel, but it's not mine to begin with. But if you don't want to, don't, just don't do it. There's no pressure on you whatsoever. Uh, you'll get a revelation one day and you'll want to do it and that'll be great. Someone say amen. amen. But you're not going to talk me out of it. I'm too far along on this thing. You're just not going to talk me out of it. Come up to me after church. Maybe I'll give you an offering. How's that? That deal? Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for healing Sister Linda and Sister Bobby, Lord, bringing total healing. Lord, you are here. You are here physically to do that, Lord. I'm so glad that you did that, Lord. And it is you, Lord. We're, we're just a little piece of it, Lord. You're the, you're the one that gets it done. Thank you so much. Thank you for setting the kids free, Lord. Any of them, they're gonna, parents are going to find out that they don't wet the bed anymore, Lord. Thank you for the blessing on April and just Chrissy and all the miracles and the good things you're doing, Lord. Lord, you have more you want to do today. Still early, Lord. Can't believe it. You have more you want to do today, Lord. Now, I just ask you to do it. Lord, enlighten our eyes. Enlighten our hearts. Open our hearts and minds to the word. Because at the end of the day, it is your word by your Holy Spirit that changes us. We want to be changed. If you want to be changed, say amen. 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 All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I'm a man, Ken, I'm, I'm torn between three sermons I really am. I mean, I just, I just, the Lord just talking to me this morning. I got up so early this morning. If I look a little tired, I don't feel tired. I got up so early. The Lord was, who knew that the book of Numbers was so good? Oh, that book of Numbers, it's so good. Oh, I don't, oh Lord, if I go that way, I'll never get back. 
God wants to talk to you in His Word. If you're not in the Word, what's wrong with you? Get in the Word. That Word will get in you. One Word from God can change your whole life. You're in a wrong relationship. The Lord say, get out of it. Boom, change your whole life. You're going to make a mistake. Lord, talk to you. Boom. He'll change the trajectory of your life. You got a habit that you can't break. Look at that beetle. He's drinking on my he's drinking my drink right there. You see that? You got a habit you can't break. Something that's gonna change your life for the negative. One word from God can change your life. In fact, you don't know how many times God's already saved your life. Well, on these days, God's going to find a group of people that really believe that He's who He says He is. And man, when those people discover that God is who He says He is, and He'll do what He says He'll do, it's going to be fire. It's going to change that community. It's going to change your family. It's going to change the trajectory of your life. If you've been waiting for a miracle and things aren't going your way, do not give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. The only one that loses in the kingdom is, are those that quit, right? Don't turn back. You've come too far to turn back. And besides that, where would you go back to anyway? Amen. Amen. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Where would you go? Where would you go? Jay-Z or something? Where are you going to go? Crazy. You're going to go NBC or ABC and try to find out what's going on? I don't think so. Guys, if you have your Bibles... Once you flip over to Luke chapter 16, I'm going to come at this scripture from a little different angle. And then I've got, I, I kind of want to talk about the rich young ruler. I can't get away from that uh, scripture. And before I read this scripture, it's uh, Luke 16. I think it's verse 1 through 13. It's a parable. It's a story. But remember last week what we discovered. How is a person saved in the kingdom of God? Say it good. You, say it again. By grace through faith, guys. Jesus has already saved you. He's already died for you. He's already delivered you. He's really already healed you. He's already everything that you need. The Bible says, this is in 2 Peter chapter 1, I think verse 3, everything you need for life and godliness, it's already in Jesus. That's what the Word of God says. And the way you access it is you don't go in the Bible and try to find 10 rules for a living, right? You don't go in there and try to dig out a bunch of rules and regulations. You believe the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did for you. He died on that cross. If you could have saved yourself or delivered yourself, Jesus would not have died on that cross. He'd let you do it. Why would God become a man and go on this earth and, and be frustrated and put up with all type of things and die on a cross if you could save yourself? And so if you can't save yourself, then God has to do it, and God has done it. When Jesus died on that cross, there was a great exchange. In fact, if I was going to title this message, I would say, I would call it the process of life is the process of exchange exchange. Who wants to stay how you are? I don't. I want to change. I'm not who I want to be in execution. I'm not who I want to be. There's more 
that God has for me. I want to exhibit more of God in my life. I want more of God's goodness in my life. I want to go uh, work this exchange with the Lord. So on the cross, we taught last week that God exchanged our sin and our judgment and our wickedness. He gave that to Jesus and he took Jesus's righteousness, glory and goodness and he gave it to us. What a deal. You ever think about that? All your junk went on Jesus. That's why I believe in healing. All your junk went on Jesus, and all his goodness came on you. Now, he suffered for three days, and he bore the penalty of it. And because he was totally innocent, God could raise him from the dead. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep Jesus in the grave. God looked there after he paid the price for your punishment... It was paid for. Then God said, okay, that's it. Didn't leave him there one second longer than he needed to be. And then God raised Jesus from the dead. Good news. When he raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you from the dead. That's why you have a new life. Whether you realize it or not, if you've accepted Jesus, you're already a new person. It don't matter how you feel, what you think. If you've accepted Jesus, you are already a new person. You're not the person, I don't care what you look like, what you smell like, even what you sound like. You just don't know. I have people that complain to me all the time, and I know I love them. I care. I pray for them. Mo Moses prayed for his people when they were at their worst, and God heard him. That's in numbers. I saw that today. The leader of the, uh, help me get back, Lord. The leader of the people of Israel, they were all complaining and messing up. God prayed for them, and God forgave them because Moses prayed. Isn't that something? you're a leader, father, you're a leader. You're a teacher, you're a leader. You're a business, you hire. Pray for your people and God will forgive them. Don't curse them. Your kids, when they disobey, don't curse them. Pray for them and God will forgive them. Well, they didn't get to go in the promised land, but God forgave them and was merciful to them. So there's this great, great exchange and God's poured out his life on you. And whether you know it or not, you're already new. And by the revelation of the scriptures and the revelation of God, if you will believe, and I'm, I'm going to get into this today, but you don't, sometimes you don't learn it all or get it all in one session, right? You don't learn it all in one day. But if you'll stay after it and you'll keep pursuing the Lord, uh, glory to glory, faith to faith, inch by inch, amen? You are going to change and God is going to do stuff in your life. Sometimes he does stuff immediately. And sometimes there's a process, that process of when you are tired of the way you're living and you decide you're going to believe God. I'm, I'm tired of living like this and you throw all in on God and say, God, I want to do it your way. And when you do that, there's going to be a difference. Your shaking hand's going to quit shaking. I sent a text. I was thinking about someone this, this week. I was thinking about how the enemy sometimes tries to come in and remind us of our past and all our failure. He does it to me. Anything that happens to you happens to me. You know, Brad, oh, you did this in fifth grade, Brad. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Or you've done this. Or he tries to spin you into your past or, or spin you and try to get you to look at yourself. How many of you know the way out of that? When the enemy tries to spin you into yourself, how many know the way out? Tell me. Someone tell me. Take you take authority. That, that is a way out. That's, what, what else? Someone else. Prayer. Prayer. Good. 
Yeah, I, I look at Jesus, and you're right, through your authority of the believer, you want to take authority over it. Look at Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Declare what Jesus has done for you. Don't get your eyes off yourself. Say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not all I could be or want to be, but Jesus died for me, and the blood has washed me of all my sins. The grace of God is in my life. The Bible says God has qualified me. He's made me fit. He's qualified me. So if God has qualified me, I guess I'm qualified. Someone say amen. amen. You are qualified. See, and, and the stories, if I can get to the rich young ruler, I don't think I'm going to get to him today. I want to. I've been teaching on him. When the rich young ruler was walking toward Jesus, grace was flowing this way toward Jesus. The Old Testament was flowing this way, waiting for the Messiah. Everything in the Old Testament, they're looking for Jesus to come. And that's why anybody that encountered Jesus, like the rich young ruler, they were, they were under law. And, and, and I got a lot to say about that. They were under law, but they needed a Savior. They needed a Messiah. And anybody that was going to be saved, their trajectory always met with Jesus. If they were going to be saved, it was going to be through Jesus. Amen? In the New Testament... When you get saved, look this up, write it down. Lord, let's get this. Colossians 2.10 says, you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? Randy, you're complete already. God can't add one thing to your salvation. It's already done. And the moment you believe it, it's released in your life. So it works different in the New Testament, Sister Kittle. The word says you are complete in him. You have fullness in him. All the fullness is in Jesus. You've been put in Jesus. So we actually look back at Jesus and at the cross and what he's already done. We're made complete and whole in him by grace. We've already got it. And so we're looking back at Jesus and we're allowing the Lord to transform us by looking at Jesus and seeing who he is, and by looking at Jesus and seeing who he is, we see who we are. You're a loving, kind, gentle, strong man, Chuck. With thanksgiving. What's that? Grace giving. Praise the Lord. By looking, yeah, we, and so we thank God when you believe it. You thank God and your faith it operates in your life, and the power of that salvation will work in your life. That's why complaining is so bad. That's why I get on it. No one's trying to rebuke you or criticize you or make you feel bad about complaining. Complaining is that negative faith. You're not seeing what God's done, and you're not believing it. You're believing the negative, and you're speaking all that negative out, and you're negating what God has done for you in Christ. When you are in the fire, when you are in temptation, when you're in the battle, that's the time to open your mouth and tell the Lord, I am complete in Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I am the righteousness of God. When I fail, sometimes I don't feel like it, and that's my temptation to fail because I don't feel like it. Don't matter how you feel, folks. It's true whether you feel it or not. And man, if you'll just believe it in the fire, Lord, man, I may not feel the best today. I may have spoke sharp to my wife, but you know what? Your blood has cleansed me. 
I am a new creation. I'm a brand. I'm complete in Christ. I have power with God. I have authority. I am the righteousness of God. Lord, you've given me power. You've given me grace. I'm an eternal being. I'm a king and a priest. I have power with God. I have favor with God. God loves me. God's not mad at me. He's already put all the judgment on Jesus. I'm free from sin. I'm free from the devil. I'm free from sickness. I'm free from wrath. I'm going to heaven when I die. You start saying that in the face of everything that's coming against you. You start saying that. Bad news, good news. No, you start saying it and things are going to happen in your life. Look back at the children of Israel when they were complaining. God wanted to take them out. He did. He was tired of it. All that complaining. But old Joshua, I'm going to get to this scripture. Help me, Lord. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit in them. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, if God said we can do it, we can do it. I'm not much to look at. I, I, I'm, I know in my flesh, in myself, I'm not much to look at. There's not much to me. But if you look at God and you put yourself in Jesus and look at God and you understand that God loves you and you understand that God is for you, it's not confidence in me, it's confidence in thee. The problem is we want to look at ourselves and think, well, I can't get free, I can't do... We got to stop looking at ourselves and looking at God. I'm going to tell this, this little story, then I'm going to read the scripture. Make sure I do. God told Moses, numbers is so good. I could just rattle on numbers today. God told Moses, these people are complaining and they're wearing me out. They were complaining because they, 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 they wanted to go back to Egypt. Who wants to go back to Egypt? They were slaves in Egypt. They were complaining in Egypt. They were hungry in Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were killing their babies in Egypt. They didn't have anything in Egypt. Everything they did, they worked for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, more bricks, less straw, and they were complaining because they, they wanted to eat uh, leeks and onions. That's crazy. And God was, it, made, it upset the Lord. And that's when Moses prayed for him. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to give this people enough meat to eat in one day. They're going to be able to eat for a whole month without looking for any more meat. I will stuff their bellies full of meat that they're going to be sick of it. And Moses said, God, how can you do that? We could kill all the cows that we have and sacrifice them. And we could eat every cow we had. And there's no way that we would have enough meat to feed these people every day for a month. And God said to Moses, why are you limiting me? Listen to that. Why are you limiting me? I can do anything. And you just watch what I'm going to do. You just watch what I'm going to do. That's what we need to stand and look. God say, God, I'm just going to watch what you're going to do. That preacher said, you could do this. I'm just going to watch. what I'm going to believe you, stand on my tower, and I am going to watch what you could do. So the next day... There was a breeze, not unlike yesterday's breeze. Not unlike that. There was a strong breeze, and there was quail in the wind, and there was so much quail, they were literally knocking the quail down on the ground, and the ground was covered with quail everywhere that Israel was. Isn't that amazing? And they had so much meat to eat, they ate for a whole month without catching any more quail. The impossible. And there's no way. Even Moses said, God, there's no way that you can do that. And God did it. 
Amen? Amen. So why are you worried? You only got one thing to do, and that's snuggle up to God. That's your one thing. That's your one thing that you have to do is seek first the kingdom of God. That's the only thing. R.W. Schambach, <laughs> there was a guy in the hospital. He was laying on his hospital bed. His wife had left him. He'd lost all his money. I believe he'd lost his job. He was in a cast. He was, you know, in a, in a place of death, going to die. And he's laying in his hospital bed. Had a vision as he was sitting there. R.W. Schambach tells this story. He said, a guy walked through the wall. You believe this stuff or not? I do. Guy walked through the wall and he had a fair mitre on his head. He had a priest hat on his head. And he walked through the wall and he looked at this guy and he said, you don't have any problems. Wife had left him. No money, no job. In the hospital, going to die. He says, you don't have any problems. Billy, you don't have any problems. He said, all you need is faith in God. I believe that. Do you believe that? Okay. Let's read Luke chapter 16. Y'all still with me? Folks, you don't have any problems. You know how easy it is for God to heal your body? You know how easy it is for God to put money in your pant pocket, feed you, take care of you? You know how easy it is? You have one thing to do. That's put your trust in God. You think God wants good for you or bad? Good. You tire of the devil. You tire of the world system. It's going under. Jesus told this story to his disciples. A rich man hired a manager to handle his affairs, but soon a rumor went around that the manager was thoroughly dishonest. Sounds like our banking system. So his employer called him and said, what's this I hear about you stealing from me? Get your report in order because you're going to be dismissed. And the manager thought to himself, now what? I'm through here, and I don't have the strength to go out and dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I know just the thing, and then I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me when I leave. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. And he asked the first one, how much do you owe? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil or gallons of olive oil so the manager told him tear it up write another one for 400 gallons and how much do you owe my employer he asked the next a thousand bushels of wheat was the reply here the manager said take your bill and replace it with one for only 800 bushels the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd and it is true that the citizens of this world are more shrewd than the godly are. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends in this way. Your generosity stores up as a reward for you in heaven. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in larger ones. 
If you cheat in even a little matter, you won't be honest in greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, who will trust you with your own? This goes back to last, the last two weeks, the scripture I've been reading. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I've been talking about two kingdoms, living in two different kingdoms. And this parable... We know the story, the guy was dishonest, but he was shrewd. And what I want to get to in this parable for us is at the end of the parable, the Lord says, if you are not faithful in small things, money's a small thing. I don't even want to talk about money. That's not even the point of this. He says, if you're not faithful in small things, who's going to entrust you with more? If you're not faithful with the little responsibility... Who will trust you with the true riches? Folks, in our daily life and our walk with God, God is giving us responsibility. He's giving us his word. And many times, and I wish I had time to talk about the rich young ruler. I'm not going to. Many times, the very decisions, the things that affect your life are not the big things that are coming at you. It's the little decisions that you're making every day. The process of life with God, we're complete in Him, we're already whole, we're looking back at the cross and what Jesus did, and daily the Lord is interacting with us, or wants to interact with us, and He wants to bring change in our life, and He's bringing things to us to see how we are going to handle the little things in your life. And there are folks that get stuck. I said last week, I want to teach you how to grow in the kingdom or how to walk in the kingdom. There are things in our life that the Lord brings to us, little things day by day, little opportunities, little decisions to make, and how we handle, and he's talking about money here. He said, if you're not faithful to God, money's nothing. It's just a small thing. The greater riches are the Holy Spirit and the treasure of God in your life. The treasures of the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God in your life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give you. These other things to God, they're just small things. He says, if you're not responsible with the little things God gives you to do. Guys, the process of life and the process of growth with God is the process of exchange. God is always coming to us, and He's making us an offer. He's always bringing transformation into our life, and He's making us an offer. He's always saying, hey, if you will let go of that 15 minutes, and you'll give that to me in prayer. And I mean, He's doing it by grace. It's not you sitting down and making the list of the things that you're doing for God. It's your discipleship. It's you following Jesus. And when Jesus interacts with you, and He's asking for something from you, and you have enough trust in God and say, God, I'm going to do it. And you make that exchange with God, that's how growth comes. Many times, the the Word of God says that if anyone hears the Word of God, and they're not a doer of the Word of God, their own hearts are deceived. But if anyone hears the Word of God, and they put it into action, it says you are going to be blessed in what you do. You're already complete in Him. 
You've already got this treasure inside of you. You've already got the fullness of God, and God wants to interact in our life and bring growth, so he's always bringing us opportunities. Now, I want to know, am I the only one, but it seems like every single day I always have choices to make. Am I the only one? You got, I got decisions to make. Lord, am I going to spend my time running, or am I going to pray? Lord, am I going to you know, go run the Boston Marathon, or am I going to, am I going to do, um, I've always got decisions coming into my life, what am I going to value the most in my life, or God will bring things to me, and he'll bring me to, today, I'll just give a small, today, I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm over here, and the Lord gives me a word about kidneys, and I have to decide right there on the spot, Lord, am I going to obey you and believe that you're speaking to me, or am I just going to hold on to it, every time you step out for God, it's a risk, I'll sit in the restaurant and the Lord will say, go talk to that person. Or the gym, go talk to that person. And I got to decide right there, am I going to listen to what the Lord's telling me? I don't have to. I can leave the gym and not say a word to that person and the Lord's not going to bug me about it. He's not going to harass me about it. But I have to decide right there, do I really want to be all that God's called me to be? And I cannot tell you how many times, that gentleman that was here last week, I met him at the gym. Guy sitting in the back row back there. He was here because I walked up to him, leaving the gym. I turned around and said, hey, are you a Christian? Then boom, I, now, he was at church here last week. Decided, now I could tell you just dozens of stories just like that. We're interacting with God all the time, whether you realize it or not. And it's different things for different people. God might ask you, are you going to give up that booze or not? It's, it depends where I'm, I'm going to... It depends where you're at, what God's asking you. He asked Jesus to lay down his life. Amen? He might just be asking you for the booze. Amen? And that's a good deal if you give it to him. The process of life is the process of exchange. Eric, you wouldn't be changing. You wouldn't be where you're at unless you started making these, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. And guys, every single time we bow our knee and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. It's not your might. It's not your power. It's not your self-effort. It's obedience to the word of God in your life. Lord, yes, I'll help that person that needs money for food. I'll help that person. I got a few extra in my pocket. I'll do it, Lord. I'll obey you in that. I'll help the poor. You said feed kids in Haiti. I don't care how it affects the church. We're going to do it. I'll do it, Lord. Everything with God is always yes. And I wish I could preach on the rich young ruler because the rich young ruler lost out on the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. The creator of the universe came to him and said, you can follow me. And he turned it down. He turned it down, Pam. With us, because we're already saved by grace through faith, God is pouring out grace upon grace upon grace, and he's coming to you every single day, and he wants you to grow up into Jesus. He's not interested in punishing you. If you leave here condemned, I'm really not doing a good job. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to see that the things that God is asking you to do is because he is forming Jesus Christ inside of you. Do you want it? And only you can decide whether you want it or not. Do I want to be saved? Do I want to go to heaven? That's the beginning. I want to go. Uh, that's a good deal. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be judged for my sins. That's a good, I think I'll get baptized. I think I'll follow Jesus. And you start seeing the rich young ruler 
a little different. He's walking this way, he had, and Jesus is, Grace is following Jesus. He's got to make a big decision, doesn't he? There's a lot to that story. The way God works in our life, people, is he's interacting with us all the time. He's interacting with you. And the reason I know he is because he's interacting with me. Sometimes it takes me a while to get on what the Lord's telling me to do and jump in with it. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Do you remember last week I talked about Abraham a little bit? This, is, this will really kind of seal up what I'm trying to say, give you grace and mercy so you can receive this with grace and mercy. I mentioned last week about Abraham. What did God ask Abraham for? He asked Abraham to give up Isaac, his only son. He actually told Abraham, sacrifice him. <coughs> now, wouldn't that be something? Give up your son, sacrifice him. It was the greatest exchange ever made in the universe. He asked Abraham for Isaac, and of course, Abraham made the exchange. <coughs> Abraham gave up, that's the promise. He gave up the promise. He was willing to sacrifice it. He put Isaac on the altar. You ever heard statements like that, put it on the altar? He put Isaac on the altar, and he was getting ready to take Isaac's life. And what did the Lord say? You don't need to give Isaac. I will provide my son for a sacrifice. If that had not happened, we'd all be in our sins today. Or God would have had to find another man to be the father of faith. Because Abraham made that exchange with God. God was able to get in blood covenant with him and bring his son into the earth. Everything God does in the earth, he does it through people, men, men and women. There's going to be revivals because you're going to pray. It's going to be revivals because you're going to share your faith. It's going to be a revivals because you're going to decide you're going to jump all in. If your kids are going to get saved, you're going to have to pray for them. No one else can really do it like you can. If anything's going to happen and God's coming in, say, hey, will you sacrifice your son? Abraham says yes, and God brings Jesus into the world because of Abraham's obedience. But here's the grace and the good news. Was that the first thing that God ever said to Abraham? You need to get this, Kent. Was that the first thing that God ever said to Abraham? No. It came out of a relationship. In chapter tw that happened in chapter 22 of Genesis. In chapter 12, God called Abraham to leave his, come on, get up and leave your family and follow me. And if you read the story, Abraham had a lot of failures and successes along the way. He obeyed, he did good, but mostly he was, he was always walking toward God's promise and God's will and intention, even though he had bumps along the way. But God was revealing himself progressively to Abraham. Abraham was obeying God progressively. Even getting Isaac as a son was a miracle, wasn't it? So Abraham's obeying God. I think it was, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like 25 years from the time that the promise was given until Isaac came into the world. And then Isaac, so there was a relationship, folks, being built. And that's what God's doing in your life. He's building a relationship. Maria, he's saying, will you obey me in this thing? 
And you say, yes, Lord, I'll obey you in this thing. If we're not faithful in the little things, Joe, you're not going to be faithful in the big things. Amen? You want to raise people from the dead? God may do that in your life tomorrow. But most people, and sometimes he just dumps grace on you, most people, they're going to trust God with something else first. They're going to lay hands on the sick first and build, build a relationship with God. Say, God, you'll do what you said you'd do. You don't want to not know God, and you don't want to not understand healing and be on your deathbed and try to believe God. He could give you grace, and he can give you a miracle. It'd be a lot better to have a long history with God before that day comes. Amen? Okay, let's read this scripture. What I'm trying to tell you folks, what I'm trying to tell us is the process of life is the process of exchange. If you don't get anything out of this message, remember that with God, the process of life is the process of exchange. You can go through how God took different people in the Bible through a process until they were willing, until they were ready for that final thing that they did. It's a process. Jonah, God said, get up, go to Nineveh. I ain't going. Did God deal with him? I believe he got swallowed by a whale. Anybody ever get swallowed by a whale in church? I have. I've been swallowed by a whale, metaphorically. When Jonah was in the bay of the well and he repented and said, God, I worship you, deliverance is with you, and that well spent Jonah, spit him out on the uh, beach, what's the first thing God said to him? Get up and go to Nineveh. Nothing changed. God didn't change. He wasn't going to make the deal. He got swallowed by a whale, <laughs> didn't do what God said, and God takes him through this process. He says, well, I think I better obey God. He spits him up on the beach. First thing he says, go to Nineveh. Nothing changed. The process of life. And, and Jonah said, hey, I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> I think I need to get to Nineveh. All right. This is verse, uh, I'll start with verse 16, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's the veil over their heart, over their eyes. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, He gives freedom. And all of us have had this veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Lord, the Spirit, works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Amen. As the Lord, and this is by grace. It's not you going in this Bible and trying to pick out 10 principles and starting to obey law. It's you interacting with the Lord in the now of your existence, right where you're at right now. What's bothering you right now? What's going on in your life right now? The Lord wants to interact with you right there. If we'll obey the Lord, we listen for the Lord, we do what He says, we're going to reflect more and more of the Lord's glory. Amen? Amen. I'm done. I never got to the rich young ruler. So I said last week I wanted to talk about how we grow in the Lord. Guys, it's a process. We're saved by grace through faith, and by grace, God's working in your life 
but we're responders. If we're indifferent, we're not responding, we're not asking, seeking, and not knocking, not much is going to change. When the Lord tells us what He wants and we ignore Him, we don't do what the Lord says, not much is going to change. Father, thank You for healing the bodies today. In Jesus' name, Your goodness, it's just grace, Lord. Thank you for the testimonies of people. I noticed in those testimonies, Lord, that the people are interacting with you. They're seeking you. They're doing something. They're responding to the message. No matter what that message is, they're responding to it. And as they respond to your message, Lord, things start changing in their lives. I want to ask this question. Is there anybody here that you haven't been responding to the Lord. Maybe you're not saved and you want to make that exchange today. I can't talk you into it. I can't even give you the courage to accept the Lord today. But if you want change, you want to invite Christ into your life, he's interacting with you right now and he wants to come into your life and you're willing to invite Christ in your life. Can I see your hand? I see that hand. I see two hands beautiful Jesus. Folks, don't miss this. It's going to be the easiest, the best thing you ever did. There's two hands. And by the way, if those that raise their hands, you haven't been baptized, bring your towel, bring a change of clothes next week. We'll baptize you. I'm going to pray with you. There's a few more and you're just thinking about it. Some, some of you, some, someone might not even trust me. You don't know me. You might be suspicious of me but you know that you need Jesus. You know you do. Doesn't matter if you come back to this church ever again. You know you need Jesus. And I'll pray with you today. And if you'll confess your sins to the Lord and ask him to come into your life, he'll save you right now. He'll save you. He'll deliver you from hell. He'll bring you into his kingdom. And if you want to walk with him, he'll teach you how to I see that hand. That's the third hand. Or someone else. There's one, there is another, and I can't make you raise your hand. I wouldn't even try to make you. Do you want Jesus? Do you want your sins forgiven? If you do, you raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Okay, I see your hand. Here's what we're going to do. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. This is how I want to do it. If you raise your hand, I want you to stand up. Just stand up quickly. Don't think about it. 